Uh, we're going to look at the book of Ecclesiastes tonight. And we're going to look at life. And we're going to think about life. And life's really important to us. And uh, that's what we're going to look at. So if we look at the first couple of verses, we'll read them and then we'll pray. And the book of Ecclesiastes starts off with, uh, with these words. It says, The words of the preacher, the son of David, the king of Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to come again around your word and hear it preached. Lord, I pray that you would uh, help the, the folks here to uh, get something from the message tonight. I just pray, Lord, that you would speak to their hearts. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to, uh, at the end of it, Lord, to have gained by being here, I pray. And, Lord, that you would just do a work in our hearts. Lord, would you make us into the, the people you have created us to be. Lord, may we not fall short of the, the plan you have for our lives. And, Lord, would you take these people here in LifeGate Baptist Church, and, Lord, would you use us in a very special way to reach our community, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So uh, here you have in the book of Ecclesiastes, and the, the, uh, the book of Ecclesiastes is basically one big sermon, all right? And uh, he told you who's, who's speaking it. It's uh, the words of the preacher. Uh, that's what he calls himself in verse 1. He's the son of David, the king of Jerusalem. And... Um, He's, uh, he calls himself the preacher in the first verse of the book. So that's the name he gives himself. We're talking about Solomon, of course. And, uh, you know, Solomon is known for, for many things. But the, the main thing he's known for, I suppose, is being the, the wisest man on all the earth. He was given a special gift of God and he was a wise man. He's called the preacher in the first verse of this book. And the Hebrew word for the word preacher uh, here in in Ecclesiastes means one who talks uh, to an assembly. Okay, so that's kind of a one who addresses an assembly. And um, the Greek word for assembly is where they get the word for Ecclesiastes, the, the actual name of the book. So in Solomon's um, writing here, or his sermon in the book of Ecclesiastes, that we're going to pull some points from, and uh, we're really not going to move anywhere else but, but Ecclesiastes tonight. Um, you know, he addresses uh, the topic of life. And like I said, life is important to us. The, the standard of life we have, the quality of life, you know, um, what we're going to get out of life, you know, how we live. You know, we're obsessed with a search for a happy and fulfilled life. And then there's eternal life. And Vincent was talking uh, just a bit there about that at the song. But, you know, life is really important to us. And 12 times in the 12 chapters of Ecclesiastes, he talks about life. The message tonight is really looking at some snippets of uh, Solomon's search for life. And I suppose how many of us can also find ourselves seeking for life, and sometimes in the wrong places. Um, he uses a word that we don't use, or, or we do use, but in a different way. He says, vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Now that word vanity does not mean our ego or something like that, that we would, we would use it. It's talking about emptiness or meaningless life or, you know, a useless, it's just useless. He's saying, listen, I've done everything, I've done it, everything that the world has to offer and it's all useless, it's all empty. You know, Solomon observes life and he discovers, you know, it's not making much sense to him. He's living his life and, you know, he's trying to do all these different things and he's finding everything just empty, vain. He's just finding it that it's not doing it for him. You know, and life just appears to be one dead-end street after another to him. 
And, you know, he goes through life. And if you look down at verse 4 there with me for a minute, you know, he, he gives you another example. He says, One generation passeth away, and another generation cometh, and but the earth abideth forever. In verse 5 it says, And the sun also ariseth, and the sun goeth down, and hasteth to his place where he arose. And, you know, he's giving you the idea here that life is just one continuous cycle that we're on. And you will notice, you know, you get up, you do your stuff during the day, you go to bed and you get up and you do your stuff during the day and you go to bed and uh, life just seems to be very monotonous at times. And the book of Ecclesiastes, that's what, what Solomon figures out in a sense. You know, generations come and they go, but they all live, eat, sleep, work, play, love and, and then die. And, and over and over the cycle continues. You know, one generation comes, another one goes, and it's pretty much the same for us all. And, you know, Solomon figured that out, and, you know, he was like, this is all vain. Skip down to verse 9 with me. In verse 9, he kind of summarizes the useless life. He says, uh, The thing that had been, it is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. You know what, Solomon's looking and he's really assessing his life and he, you know, he's like, what's life all about? And maybe at times in your life you wonder, what's your life all about? Well, Solomon, the wisest man on all the earth, he's sitting there and he's scratching his head wondering the same thing at times. And you know, um, the world just repeats itself over and over again. You know, the problems that we face, past generations have faced and future generations will face. You know, sometimes we think the problems that we're going through are our problems and, you know, nobody else has been through them, but that's not so. Somebody else has had your problems and been through them, been successful with them, and came through victorious even with the difficulties in their lives. Sometimes we think the temptations that we have are, you know, are are that, that they're very particular to us and that nobody has had the temptations that we've had to endure but you know what? The temptations are no different for you than anybody else. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, a familiar verse, there's no temptation taking you, but such is as common to man. You know, uh, life you know, has a way of repeating itself over and over again. And, and that's what Solomon figured out, that there's no new thing under the sun. You know, Charles Spurgeon said this, he said, if it's new, it's not true. And if it's true, it's not new. Okay? So I get that one. There's nothing new under the sun. Um, you know, but there's always, you know, help we can have from the Scripture. And that's what we're looking at Ecclesiastes for tonight. We're looking at a man who lived life. He made mistakes in life. And in his sermon in Ecclesiastes, we're going to get some help from him. So hopefully we don't have to make some of the same mistakes. But also I want you to know that maybe the struggles and troubles that you are having tonight, that somebody else has had them and being victorious in them, and maybe you could get a bit of help from them to find out how they were helped. You know, somebody else has gone through the difficulties you went through. Look down at verse 11 with me for a minute. You know, life is monotonous. We kind of talked about that. You know, we struggle to overcome difficulties in our lives and we get through the day. You know, we... Life is you wake up, you, you wash, you eat, you work, then you sleep, and then you wake up and you wash and you eat, you work and you sleep. And it kind of goes like that for, for many years. And, uh, you know, 
there's a lot there's a lot more to it than that but they're the main things that we all do on a daily basis and sometimes it can just kind of feel like what am i doing where am i going what's the purpose in life why am i here you know and um you know when life becomes monotonous for us and uh, and we start to struggle with it you know uh, it gets even worse than that because you can live your life, you can do all the things, you can you can awake, wash, eat, work, sleep, and go to bed and wake up the next day, do it all again. You can do it for 70 years. And then I suppose the ultimate slap in the face is when you die, nobody remembers you. So look at verse 11. He says, There is no remembrance of former things, neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are, come, uh, are to come with those that shall come after. You know, uh, will we be remembered by the people that come after us? Is there going to be people in this church in a hundred years' time that will remember you daily? That will hear the stories of you daily and his handshakes and his uh, weird old sayings that he picked up along his many, many years in Monaghan? You know, uh, are we going to hear about Mr. Ryan or the Ryan family? You know, are we going to, is there people going to remember us? Are we blazing a trail for the next generation that, you know, they see what we've done and that it's been good and want to live and, and do what we've done? You know, I suppose it's a, a difficult thing to, to think about. Is your life is your life blazing a trail? You know, some of the greatest minds in history have pondered the questions of life and, you know, what's life all about? And look at verse 2 again with me. Well, Solomon boils it all down to this. He says, vanity of vanities, say the preacher, vanity of vanities. He says, all is vanity. You know, he just says, listen, at the end of it all, it's all vanity. It's all empty. You know, a great philosopher once said, life is a course of endless cravings and endless unhappiness. He was a cheerful old fellow, that one. Um, Benjamin, uh, this Israel, used to be a, a prime minister in, uh, in Great Britain. And uh, he said, youth is a mistake, middle age is a struggle, and old age is a regret. It's funny how it's always the older folks that say that, isn't it? You know, um, so uh, let me say, life doesn't have to be a miserable slog, okay? And if it's a miserable slog for you, you know, maybe you're not living life the way it's meant to be lived. You know, but Solomon did feel that at times. You know, it's, you know he just felt like he was kind of living life, and what was the point and he just saw life as a dead-end street and not worth living. And, you know, he, you know, so what does he do about it? And that's what we're going to look at tonight. We're going to look at Solomon's search for the meaning of life. And maybe you haven't realized it, but many in the room have searched for the meaning of life in different ways. And for a life that satisfies. You know, Solomon went through life and he was looking and searching for something that he knew was there, but he was looking in all the wrong, wrong places. And for many of us, it's the same. You know, Solomon, you know, I told you he was wise. Well, he was also wealthy. You know, he had great wealth. God blessed him with great wealth because he didn't ask for wealth in the first place. He asked for wisdom to rule the people. So God gave him both. Uh, so he was super rich. Um, and, you know, he spent his time on earth and, and much of it he spent trying to find out if there was anything and hoping for something that would unlock the secret of life for him, to give him a happy life. But he didn't find it. At least he didn't find it till the end. 
you know, Solomon searched for a meaning of life only to find out, trying to find out what life is all about. And in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon shares with us his first-hand experience on how he experimented in, I suppose, in, in this life and, and how he came to, you know, an understanding of what life is all about. And uh, he's trying to find a purpose in life. You know, he's trying to uncover the secret of life that will make it worth living. And maybe you've, you've spent time doing that yourself. You know, and this is why Ecclesiastes is one of those book that, books that, you know, if you could just get inside the, the mind of Solomon, that's kind of what we're reading about. We're reading about the, the struggle and the issues that he had going through his life, searching for something more, knowing in his heart that there was more, but being distracted by the world while he's looking. So skip down to verse 17 with me. We're going to start looking at what Solomon tried. Well, Solomon tried learning. Okay, he tried learning, first of all. And in verse 17, he says, And I gave my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. And I perceived that this is also vexation of spirit. For in much wisdom is much grief. And he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. That's what he says in the last chapters of, uh, last verses of chapter 1. So Solomon basically, he, he's looking for life. He's trying to find out what life's all about. So he goes learning. He goes, in a sense, he goes to university. He reads books. He gets knowledge. He gets all these wise men around him. He's learning from them. You know, he studies science, philosophy, you know, all the different things that somebody might study. And, you know, he's, he's eating books up like they're going out of fashion. You know, Solomon's that wise. He's the type of guy that you'd want if you were doing a table quiz at the men's home. All right, because it can get a bit rowdy up there during the quiz, the quiz nights. You know, uh, Solomon is the type of guy who knew a whole lot. And he, he was just wanting to learn more. And the more he knew, the more he learned, the less he knew. And the less he liked what he learned. That's what he said in the end of uh, verse 18. He said... And when he that increased knowledge, increased sorrow. The more the bloke found out, the less he liked, liked what he knew. He discovered that human knowledge just didn't have the answers, uh, couldn't answer the question of time. It could give you some idea, but could certainly couldn't answer the questions of eternity. He couldn't tell you where you're going. You know, he got to the place where, you know, he was looking for answers about why he was here and what life was all about. But he just couldn't figure it out. He couldn't learn enough. In Job 14, 14, it says, If a man dies, shall he live again? You know, uh, going, to, going to university and studying can't teach you those things. There are certain things that can only be found in God. And Solomon was searching in all the wrong places. You know, he was going through and he was looking for answers and he just wasn't finding them. You know, uh, most people in the room tonight, unless you're in the men's home, will have a mobile phone. And the thing about a mobile phone is, if I got you all to take out your mobile phone, some of you have them uh, out at the moment, if I got you to take out your mobile phone, probably within 20 seconds, you could find out any recipe for any meal that you could cook. You could also find out the news that's happening in Brazil. Within 20 seconds. You could tell me the weather in Africa. It's hot, okay? You don't have to check that one. You could maybe tell me the prices of houses in Timbuktu. You say Timbuktu. Timbuktu is a real place. It's a city in Mali. And uh, you know what? You have in, in your hand or in your pocket, you have a little device that gives you access to unlimited uh, amounts of knowledge 
that you can find out. You know, you have more access to information than any teacher in any university will ever be able to give you. You have it in your pocket. All you have to do is type into Google the, any question you want and it will come up with some kind of answer. It won't always give you the right answer, but it will come up with the right kind of answer. But it will never be able to tell you if a man die, shall he live again. It will never be able to tell you about eternal life. And Solomon, no matter what he tried, no matter what he searched, he just couldn't find that thing that he was looking for. You know, and don't get me wrong, I believe in education. That's why I stayed in school till I was 14, okay? Uh, that's a joke, okay? I should have stayed in school longer. And I hope my kids stay in school until they throw them out. Um, but, you know, uh, education is good. But you know what? If you just have an education and you never find God, you'll find that wisdom or knowledge is just foolishness. You know, uh, it, it will not... It will always be a dead-end street to you. Um, We need to find out about God, not just information about this world. Um, You know, Solomon was soaking stuff up. Remember, God gave him a special gift. He was the wisest man on all the earth. He knew a lot of stuff. He was good at making decisions. But he went astray in his life, and he he lost focus in his life. And uh, now he's searching, and he is looking to find answers. And he is not finding them in education. He is not finding them in learning. And you know, we should never stop learning. We should always try to learn more. But you know what? If you're looking for real answers, you're not going to just find them in education. Because God has answers that no amount of education can ever give you. You know, so what did Solomon do? He exhausted the, the learning side of it. So then he tried laughter. Look over in the next chapter with me. Look at verse 1. And... Remember, when, when we have like chapter 1 and chapter 2 in the book of Ecclesiastes or in any other book, when it was written, Solomon didn't put in chapter 1 and chapter 2. Okay? We added them later on just so it was easy for us to find where things were in the Bible. But uh, he says in chapter 2, verse 1, he says, uh, I said in mine heart, go to now, I will prove thee with Emerit, and that's basically, that's a strange word that we wouldn't normally use. But what it means is hilarity or high excitement or a pleasurable feeling. So that's kind of what he means. So he goes searching for laughter. He goes searching to be merry. And he says, wherefore, enjoy pleasure and behold, this is also vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad and of merit. Uh, what doth it? You know, he's just, uh, what do it? He just got to the place where you know, he says, listen, this education stuff isn't working. This learning isn't working. You know, I'm going to get some funny people around me. I'm going to start living life and enjoying life. And he got to the place in life where if it feels good, do it. Uh, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you might die. That was his uh, idea about life. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with laughter and having a good time. You know, sure, it was Solomon himself that said in Proverbs 17 and 22, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine but a broken spirit dry at the bones. So there's nothing wrong with proper and healthy laughing and a merry heart. You know, doctors will even tell you it's good for you. But laughter itself does not bring happiness. And Solomon was finding this out. The more he put into it, the less happy and satisfied he was. You know, you can let the good times roll, but eventually they come to an end. And you know, that's what Solomon found out. You know, he found out that you can have a, a smile as wide as the room, but you can be having an empty heart and you can be sad on the inside. You know, 
people all over the world walk around with smile from air to air, but they're miserable on the inside, and they seem happy on the outside, but when you really boil down to it, they're not satisfied with life. Uh, I heard this illustration uh, about a young man who went to see the doctor, and he says to the doctor, listen, I'm deeply troubled and, and disturbed, and you know, the doctor says, okay, well, come on, we'll, we'll talk about it. And uh, he says, listen, I, I'm just sick of this, you know, life. I wake up every morning, I take a blanket of depression, you know, I, I have it over me all day, I go to bed, it's the same every night, the same every morning, I sink lower and lower. Finally, the doctor stops him and he says, you know what, I know what we're going to do, we're going to check you over first. And he checks him over from head to toe and he can't find anything wrong with him. And what he says is, listen, uh, there's nothing physically wrong with you. Uh, I've checked you out. You're totally, you're totally well. There's nothing I can do for you. You're just depressed. And the guy says, I know, but what, what am I going to do about it? And the doctor says, I know what we can do. He says, I have the answer that's going to cure your depression. Your man says, okay. He starts getting excited. He starts getting a bit of hope in his life. And he's like, oh, tell me, tell me. And he says, what is it? And the doctor says, there's a circus in town. And this circus is advertising that it has the funniest clown in the world. And he goes and he, the doctor says, listen, I went to this circus yesterday and I, I left that place in stitches. I was so sore I was laughing that much. And he says, if you go, that depression will be cured. You will laugh your troubles away. Then he noticed the young man's head was down. He says, why is your head down? I've just given you some good news. I've just given you the answer to your problems. And he says, I'm that clown. He says, I go around making people laugh all day, but I'm miserable inside. You know, Solomon found out the same thing, that laughter won't do it for you. Just living life to the max won't do it for you. Mark Twain said this, he says, everyone is a moon and has a dark side, which he never likes to show anybody. Isn't that true of us all? Don't we all have hidden areas of our lives that we wouldn't show anybody else? Solomon wrote this in Proverbs. He wrote, even in laughter, the heart is sorrowful. And the end, that merit is heaviness. He says at the end of that happy-go-lucky uh, heart, that you know, joyous heart, he says, and even in the end, in Proverbs 14, 13, he says, it is heaviness. At the end of it, it leaves you with sorrow. It doesn't do it for you. So Solomon tried, you know, he tried education, he tried laughter, then he, he tries liquid. Okay, look at verse 3. He says, I sought in mine heart to give myself unto, what's the next word? Unto wine. You see, he probably was Irish in some way, uh, dating back there. He says, I sought mine heart to give myself unto wine. He says, listen, I've tried, you know, I've tried learning. I, I've tried laughter. Now I'm going to try liquid. I'm going to get myself, you know, I'm going to go on and hammer the drink out of it. And he gives himself unto wine. He says, I give myself unto wine, equated mine heart with wisdom and to lay hold on folly till I might see uh, what uh, was that good for uh, the sons of men, which they should do on uh, under the heaven all the days of their life. So basically he goes from learning to laughter. He realizes they failed. So he decides to hit the bottle to make himself happy. And uh, many in the room will know that doesn't work. But Solomon wanted to give it a good try himself. You know, because after all, you know, if you can't get rid of your problems, you may as well try drown them. 
Uh, but then after a while, he realized that his problems could swim. Uh, you know, think about Solomon. He was the king, and he was rich. And, you know, he, he had lots of friends. You know, the Queen of Sheba pulled up at times and came to visit him. I mean, when was the last time the Queen of Sheba came to your house? You know, Solomon knew all the right people. He got invited to all the best parties. You know, but he spent his time drinking and living it up. And you know what he found? He found it was all empty. You know, he found out that you're not going to find real peace in a bottle, in a needle, or in a pill, or in any other drug. You know, he found that out in his life. You can spend your entire life searching for happiness in a substance, and you'll never find it. All it will do is it will strip everything from your life and leave you empty on the inside. You know, if you're going down the road of searching for happiness uh, through a substance, you're just fooling yourself. You know, Solomon tried that, and it just didn't work. I want you to turn over, keep your finger there, but turn back a couple of chapters to Proverbs chapter 20. You know, there's a lot of people just like Solomon, um, and they will, will, you know, have to learn the lessons like Solomon learned them. And Solomon le- learned lessons the hard way. You know, if you drink to deal with problems, you'll only see our problems grow and the end will be worse than the beginning. You know, Solomon learned the hard way. Look at verse uh, 1. Who, who wrote this again? Okay. He says this. He says, Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. And whosoever is deceived there, boy, is not wise. How do you think he knew that? Because he's lived it. Because he gave himself to the drink. He gave himself to the drink. He wasted time, energy, years and effort uh, on the bottle when he should have been living for God. And he, he wasted the years of his life uh, and he found that it was, he was deceived in it. He found that he was just wasting his time. You know, he's talking from his own experience. He learned that alcohol is just a dead-end street and it leads to nowhere. You know, you can't drown your troubles. It just doesn't work. You know, um, the biggest problem for a drinker is they always end up waking up sober at some point. Isn't that true? You know, you just, you're going to end up sober at one point, so it doesn't get, get rid of your problems. You know, but you'll hear people saying, oh, you can drink in moderation. If you know me, you know I don't believe that. I am anti-drinking. Uh, I should have ads on right after the Guinness ads. I hate drinking. I don't think any Christian should drink. And you say, but what about drinking in moderation, Leighton? Well, what about drinking in moderation? You see, it's not, it's not an issue whether it's in moderation or not. The issue always has to boil down to, is it right or is it wrong? Okay? You know, is murder right or wrong? Well, what do I do in moderation? <laughs> you see, that the argument kind of falls apart then. You know, what about if I'm a thief but only in moderation? You see, it doesn't work then, does it? You know, so if you see alcohol and you, you deal as a right or wrong issue, uh, the whole moderation issue becomes a whole lot easier, a whole lot clearer. And uh, I've never seen drinking do anything good for any Christians that I know. Uh, but I have seen it destroy many lives. I have seen it rot people's bodies. I have seen it destroy people's character, ruin their homes, kill their Christian witness. Um, but I can't give you a long list of stuff that I've seen uh, uh, help. You know, so I'm, I'm totally against drinking. So, you know, if you'd ever like to do a Bible study about it, I'd be happy enough to do that with you. Um, but I don't think any Christian should drink. I don't think anybody should drink. Uh, I think you should be a teetotaler, but not too much tea. Just 
in moderation. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's, that's what I think. I, I don't think it's wise. And I think Solomon found that out. Here you have the wisest man in all the world, and he went chasing after happiness, life satisfaction, and he went to the drink, and he found wine as a mocker. Strong drink is raging. And whosoever talking about himself and us is deceived there, boy, is not wise. You know what? He tried learning. Then he tried... Um, uh, then he tried all the other things he was going after. Eventually he tried drink. The next one he tries is an interesting one. Look at verse 4. He tries luxury. You know, he goes and he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start investing in my place. I'm going to build houses. I'm going to plant vineyards. He says, I made me great works. I builded me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards. See the way he says, I made me. <laughs> uh, I made me gardens and orchards. I planted trees in them, all kind of, of, of all kinds of fruits. I made me pools of water, where the water uh, therewith the wood that bringeth forth the trees. I got me servants and maids, and the servants uh, born in mine house. I also had great possessions, great and small cattle, above all, that were in Jerusalem before me. He says, listen, I got more stuff. Than, than anyone in Jerusalem ever before me. He says, I gathered me also silver and gold and uh, uh, peculiar treasures uh, of the king of the province. Uh, I got me men singers and women singers and, I, uh, and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments and uh, of all sorts. Verse 9, he says, I was great and increased more uh, than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained in me. You know, he begins to speak of luxury and wealth that he's acquired. He gets to the place where he's the richest man on the planet. You know, he, he's just living it up. He's spending as much money as he can. He has the best architecture going on. He, he has the best horticulture. He talks about the, the trees and the flowers. Uh, agriculture, he has the most cows and all that kind of stuff. He gets his cattle all in order. He builds beautiful, a, a beautiful palace and it becomes one of the seven wonders of the world. You know, Solomon, you know, when he's going to do something, he does it to the extreme. He tries to do it better and, and more than anybody else that's gone on before him. And he's literally swimming in affluence. He is just, you know, wearing the best of clothes. He is, you know, his yearly income was, over, it was billions of euro every year. You know, it tells us that he had 40,000 horses. And as Greg will know, I won't even let him have one up in the men's home. Uh, but he has 40,000 horses. <laughs> I mean, this bloke uh, has it all. You know, but he might look like a, a prince on the outside, but he's a pauper on the inside. He has lots of stuff, but he's not happy with it. It doesn't satisfy him. He finds that all the money that he has can't buy him what he's looking for. You know, and, and God wants us to have money. There's nothing wrong with having money. If you have money, it's more to put in the offer, and I'm happy with that. Uh, you know, you can, you can be a blessing around here. You know, if you're looking for a good charity, there's one up the road called New Hope Residential Center. You know, no problem with money, but it's the search for money. It's looking for as, at your money as being you know, as being the end of what you're looking for, and it's just not. Solomon went on to say years later in Proverbs 27, verse 20, he said, the eyes of man are never 
satisfied. You know what he, you know what he said? I got all this stuff, I got all this money, and it's still not enough. Okay? Remember, what's the book of Proverbs? Why is the book of Proverbs written? It's written by Solomon, a father, talking to who? His son, isn't it? Talking to his son. He's giving him instruction. He's saying, what's he trying to tell his son? Listen, you know what? Drink isn't going to do it for you. Wealth isn't going to do it for you. You know what? You'll never be satisfied. You know, you're not going to find life satisfaction in these things. So when he's had enough of that, when he's had enough of searching and luxury and realizing that doesn't work, you know what? Look at verse 11 in chapter 2. He says, uh, then he tries labor, he tries going to work. And then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought and on the labor that I had labor to do. And behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit. The more he did, the more angry he was, the more upset he was. And there was no profit under the sun. You know, as Solomon threw himself into his work, he worked from the moment he got up until late at night. He tried to block everything out and live through his work. And he just found out that it just made him, you know, sad and disillusioned with life. You know, how many people do that with their jobs? They just invest themselves in their job and that becomes the most important thing. Uh, and that's not the most important thing. Solomon will tell you, you know, you'll end up just, you know, burning yourself out. Solomon found that labor alone cannot, will not leave you satisfied. But I, I read this, this is a good illustration. Uh, but it can lead to you entering into the, cl- uh, the club of coronary and the ulcer club. And the list of rules follows for this club for its members. He says, your, your job comes first, forget everything else. Saturdays and Sundays and holidays are a fine times to get work done in the office because there'll be nobody else there to bother you. Always have your briefcase with you when you're not at your desk. It provides an opportunity to review uh, completely all your troubles and worries of the day. Never say no to a request. Always say yes. Accept all invitations to meetings, banquets and committees, etc. All forms of recreation are a waste of time. Never delegate responsibility to others. Carry the entire load yourself. If your work calls for traveling, work all day, travel at night. Keep that appointment that you made for 8 o'clock the next morning. He says, no matter how many jobs you've, you're already doing, remember, you can always take on one more. Okay, so that's, uh, that's you. If you want to be a member of the Coronary and Ulcer Club, uh, they are the list of rules that you have to join up to and sign up to. Uh, I'm a member myself. Uh, so uh, if you want to join the club, let me know. Um, so Solomon tries this. He tries to pile himself into his work as the king, and uh, he finds that that's empty too. Look at verse 10. Then he tries lust. Uh, and, you know, here's an interesting one. He says, And whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept it not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was the portion of all my labor. You know, according to the Bible, Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Now, before you go getting excited, man, thinking that's great, uh, that's not a good idea. 700 wives means 700 mother-in-laws. So right there and then, that should put you off right there and then. You know, I heard an illustration about uh, a woman who came to her husband and she says, listen, you know well my mother's not well and she's going to have to move in with us. And the husband didn't say a word. And the wife asked, well, don't you think we need to buy a bigger house? And the husband replied, she wouldn't make any difference. She'd still find us. So uh, <laughs> anyway, better get off the mother-in-law jokes 
uh, probably won't end well for us. Uh, but Solomon tried everything, uh, and he eventually got to, to lust, and he tried seeking after women. And you know what? What a detrimental thing that was for him, because with those women came false gods, came idols, uh, came distractions, and you know Solomon got himself in all kinds of trouble. You know, he tried to satisfy his lust with, you know, uh, that kind of living, and he found that it didn't satisfy. 700 wives, he's still feeling empty. He's still feeling there's something missing. And, you know, Solomon tried learning, laughter, liquid, luxury, labor, lust, and he discovered that none of the things meant uh, made life satisfied. They just left them empty on the inside. And, you know, he just felt like there must be something more. And last of all, I want you to skip to the back of the book, chapter 12, because we really don't have time to do any more. Chapter 12, and um, look at verse 1. You see, Solomon tries everything, and I mean, when I say try everything, no man on the earth has ever tried stuff as, as hard as Solomon. Like when he, when he went after the women, he ended up with 700 wives and 300 concubines. You know, when he went after, you know, uh, you know, labor and he went after luxury, he built one of the seven wonders of the world. You know, when he went uh, looking at horses, he ended up with 40,000 horses. I mean, the bloke just went to extremes. But look what the advice he gives us. After all of that searching uh, in the world for happiness and satisfaction and, and real life, he gets to chapter 12 of the book of Ecclesiastes and he says, uh, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. While the, days are, uh, while the evil days are come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou say, I shall have no pleasure in them. So what does he do? Now he's going to try the Lord. You know, now he remembers God. Shame he didn't remember God in chapter 1. But he goes through all of this seeking after uh, everything else, and eventually he comes back around to the place where I need to seek after God. So why are we learning about Solomon? We're learning about Solomon so we seek after God at the beginning and don't have to wait and, and use up years of our life searching and seeking in the wrong places. You know, wisdom, experience comes from uh, what we've done. Wisdom comes from what we've done badly. You know, well, we can look at Solomon's life and the mistakes he made so we don't have to make them. If Solomon was here tonight and he was given a testimony tonight, you know, he would give a testimony and look down to verse 13. Because this is really what he would say. He'd say, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. So in other words, what he's saying is, listen, when it's all said and done, this is it. This is the most important piece of advice you're going to get. He says, fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Do you get that? The wisest man on all the earth spent his life looking for pleasure, looking for happiness, looking for satisfaction. He saw that in learning. He saw that in laughter. He saw that in liquid and luxury and labor and lust. And he never found it. And then he eventually starts seeking after the Lord. And then he found it. And he says, let us fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. You know, Solomon eventually discovered the real meaning of life. You know what? He was miserable without God, searching in all the places he searched, and eventually he came to the place where I need to seek after God. I mean, you would think the wisest man on all the earth would have got this quicker. It's amazing how slow we are to pick up on what we should do. It's amazing. We always think the next thing is going to be the thing that makes us happy, don't we? 
the next thing is going to do it for us. Well, let me tell you, Solomon tried it all. And he had the means to go much, much further than any of us could go. And he found that it's all empty. It's all vain. It's all empty. And you know what? He got to the conclusion when he basically tells uh, you and he tells us and he tells the world, listen, you need to uh, fear God and you need to keep his commandments. And that's the whole duty of man. That's everything you need to do. So in concluding, you know, a wise man learns from the mistakes of others because nobody lives long enough to make them for all for themselves. You know, Solomon lived a life. He lived a life that, you know, we look and we think it's wild, the life he lived. But you know what he did? He made the mistakes that he made and we can learn from them. And his mistake was cutting God out of picture. His mistake was not seeking after God. Chasing all the other things and not chasing after God. You know what? And I don't know where you're at tonight. Maybe you're on one of the the rungs of the ladder that Solomon climbed. And maybe tonight you you can just go to what Solomon says is the end of the matter. Seek after God. Turn your Bible to the book of James. Last verse I'm going to read. James 4. You know... Maybe you're, you're trying to live life and you're, you're trying to find out what life is all about. You're asking yourself, what's this all about? What am I doing? What's the meaning of life? You know, Solomon, you know, he asked all those questions and he answered them in the end. You know, Solomon realized that none but Christ can satisfy. You know, he got to that place where he thought, you know what, no matter what I try, it's just going to be all vain. It's just going to be all empty. The Bible says this, it says, Whereas, uh, verse 14, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. And then the question from James is, For what is your life? And that's the question tonight. What is your life? What are you doing with your life? You can't control what somebody else does with theirs, but what are you doing with yours? It's the most valuable thing you have. You know, it's the most valuable thing you have. You know, the Bible says, what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeared for a little time and then vanished away. You know, what is your life? What are you doing with your life? Are you saved tonight? Would you know you're definitely saved? You're a Christian. You're you're going to heaven when you die. If, If not, speak to somebody about that afterwards. Get those... Uh, questions of life answered. The Bible has much to say about it. It's very clear. It's very easy to understand. You know, it's not difficult. You don't have to do too much. You just have to call out to God and he'll save you, the Bible says. You know, and if you're saved tonight, what are you living for? Or who are you living for? What's your life being used for? Is your life being used for Christ? You know, Will, you know, the the next generation come and, you know, be building upon what you are laying down? What I'm laying down? Will it continue? Will the church here still be here in 50 years? You know, uh, we can't get complacent. You know, each of us has a role to play. And the question comes back again. What is your life? What are you doing with your life? How are you spending your life? What is your life? It's not going to be here for long. 
What is your life? Is even a vapor, just a vapor that appeared for a little time and then vanished away. You know what? I might be only here a little time, but you can do a whole lot with it if you have God. You and God can do a whole lot with one life that you could never do on your own. And if you would just do that, you would turn to God and you make God the number one. You seek after God. You know, that's what Solomon says. He says at the end, listen, uh, fear God. Put him forced. You know, keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. Are you doing your duty? Are you fulfilling God's plan for your life? Are you living the way God would have you to live? Who are you living for? What are you using your life for? What impact are you having? God wants to use each and every life in this room. He has a purpose and a plan for every life in this room. Uh, where do you spend on your life? What is your life? Let's close in prayer. And Vincent, the viewer, come on up and lead us in our final song. Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord, uh, for your grace. We thank you, Lord, that you have, uh, Lord, equipped us with your Holy Spirit to live the, the life that you would want us to live. You've given us your word, Lord, that we can understand and know how we should live. Lord, you've given us the, the scripture, Lord, that we might be able to uh, meet people like Solomon and, Lord, learn from their lives and, and, Lord, learn from their mistakes. And I just pray, oh God, that each of one of us tonight would, would examine our own hearts about what we're doing with that one life that you've given us. And, Lord, we pray, oh God, that you would help us to have a vision and a focus for what we should do. Uh, Lord, make more out of our lives than we could ever make of them uh, on our own, I pray. And Lord, where, where people are floundering, I pray, Lord, that you would help them to get refocused, get rededicated, recommitted, Lord, to doing what you would have them to do. And Lord, we give you all the glory for the changes that you make in hearts and lives. In Christ's name, amen.